The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. America's top talk shows with breaking news, traffic, and weather. WHIO! W-H-I-O. There is a season Welcome to There is a Season, the Bob and Gloria Show. This is the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf. And I'm Gloria Shanahan. Thank you for joining us. And as always, if you'd like to add your insights to our topic today, we'd love to hear from you. 457-1290 is the number to reach us. 937-457-1290. Feel free to write to us anytime at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. You can also catch There is a Season in podcast form at whio.com, plus Apple, Google, Amazon, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcasts. And if you ever need help finding a past show, just drop us a note to that Bob and Gloria email address, and we'll help find the episode for you. Well, I got to say, I've been back and forth and back and forth on which show I thought we would do today. We'd already chosen a topic for this episode of There is a Season, Mm -hmm. which is connected to so much of what we discuss on the program, and that is the growing absence of faith and godliness in the United States. It's been a while since we did a show like that, and that's what we had planned to do. Yeah, we were going to talk about the continued falling away from faith and worship and the decline of the biblical worldview, both things which we believe have radically affected the way our culture has evolved over the last several decades, and particularly the last couple. The good news is that we're still going to have that discussion, but not today. Yesterday's Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade is extraordinary for many reasons. I honestly did not think it would ever happen in my lifetime. It was, in effect, when I came of age and awareness in the 70s, And frankly, I didn't know exactly what to make of it then. It was the law, right? So I kind of figured better and smarter grown-ups had it all figured out. Yeah, I don't even remember it being an issue growing up, you know, because I'm much younger than you, Bob. Much younger. (laughs) I had to throw that in there, right? Um, I'm sure I heard the term abortion as a child, but it is so foreign to even comprehend actively choosing to end the life of a baby in the womb. You mean... A woman would have a baby in her at one moment and then choose to get rid of it the next. It just didn't make sense to me. Didn't make sense to me either, but I kind of pushed it to the fringe, you know, of of when you're a kid, you're concerned with other things. Right. right? It did make sense, obviously, for millions who had long wanted some new ruling or some extraordinary legal, that's in quotes, legal way to make it okay. They got their wish in 1973 when the court ruled 7-2 to to find legal justification in the Constitution of the United States, thus making it the law of the land. This was not legislated per se, but it has, has been the case so often in this country when a group is angry enough, energized enough, funded enough, loud enough and sometimes violent enough, things like debate and deliberation and legislation go out the window. They're luxuries. It's much, much easier to sue. 
to work through the appellate system and try to get nine justices bent to your viewpoint rather than the painstaking slog of legislation, either at the federal level or more importantly, at the state and local level. We just came through a period with COVID where the rules and regulations that had massive effects on how we behaved, where we went, what we wore on our faces, when and how our kids went to school, and whether we'd be able to keep a job, were all decided by executive fiat, not legislatively. Nobody voted. We just had to follow what people told us. So if you want something in this country bad enough, you sue and hope you can get to the Supreme Court eventually. That's how the game works. Or you have an executive order happy president who can rule like a monarch and with the stroke of a pen change policy. Yes. I'm not a legal scholar by any stretch. And in fact, most people can't tell you, Bob, the legal justification for abortion on demand as some kind of constitutional right. But as I got older, I realized that one thing the pro-abortion crowd was very good at was selling it. Marketing. They reworked all the language from pro-choice to reproductive rights to a woman's right to choose and all the rest. Behind closed doors, justices did everything they could to find something in the Constitution that conveyed these rights. But probably 99 plus percent of pro-abortion advocates couldn't tell you what that legal justification really was. And in any event, abortion has not really been made illegal in many parts of the country today, day later. It's not legal all over the place. Yesterday's decision will be looked at as ending abortion rights. And you'll see all the histrionics go on from Hollywood to the media and all this kind of stuff. And there'll be talk of returning to back alley abortions and coat hangers and all the rest. All of it grotesque imagery again, used by pro-abortion advocates, which ironically pales in comparison in terms of actual violence and cruelty to a fetus to the actual ways that most of the 63 million abortions have occurred since 1973. Anyway, like I said, it will be made to sound like the Supreme Court took away the right to breathe, but it's nothing of the sort. No, in fact, it will further the polarization in our country along geographic lines at the very least, for those who wish to travel to areas where abortion remains legal. You know, can't get what you want in Ohio or Mississippi? Go to California or New York. But really, as the abortion pill is now easily enough obtained, even those distinctions will matter less and less. I think the real question, as with most most laws, comes down to enforcement. True enough. Uh, There's all kinds of issues to consider. For instance, in the state of Ohio, where the heartbeat law is now in effect and went into effect almost immediately after this other ruling. And that is that abortions will be illegal after the detection of a fetal cardiac uh, activity, which is around six weeks. Well, who's going to police that now? How will such a detection be managed or, or identified? And will some of that get fudged? More likely, how will we enforce abortions that occur via the pill? If a woman chooses to take a pill within the first three weeks of a pregnancy and it results in the termination of a fetus, well, I would expect that whole experience to be much like a miscarriage. Mm -hmm. But what about, say, two months later? I'm trying to be delicate here. But what happens to the human tissue then? What happens to the 
evidence of what's transpired? How will that be discovered? Will a crime have been committed, especially if that uh, woman has consulted with a doctor to get this abortion pill, gone through the routine of, of going there, getting the initial pill, taking a second pill uh, a day or two later, and then going back and reporting what occurred? How will any of that be you know, policed, as it were? So in the relative safety, or should I say of privacy of the abortion clinic, expelled human tissue is sort of taken care of, like going to a medical appointment. You go, you take care of it. I'm not saying these are easy things or that people don't suffer as a result of it, but it has a compartmentalized, tidy medical thing where people go off and they do what they do. What happens if it occurs at home? Right. See, this is just one of the so many devastating aspects of abortion. Supposedly, going to the abortion clinic would make things quick and relatively easy like getting some other kind of medical procedure done. And for those who took an abortion pill relatively early in a pregnancy, well, the resulting experience, while not pleasant at all, could be just taken care of at home. But for all those who might choose to abort later in a pregnancy, what now? Right, right. What now? What's going to happen? And that's just one one aspect of things right there. Mm -hmm. Um, These are very difficult things to think about. And as with most of the debate regarding abortion, centered on the woman's experience, what she would go through, what she would have a right to, and in our example, perhaps what she or her doctor might be liable for, that's really part of the problem for me in all of this. Mm. As you said earlier, the cleverness of the pro-abortion crowd was to co-opt our attention and focus uh, and concern and the language all around a woman's volition, her choice. Yep, yep. And, you know, you had shared with me a perspective about choice and particularly young people's ability to choose that I thought was really interesting. Well, this is sort of my take, uh, and other people may have a different experience, and it it touches my own brief immature infatuation with freedom, or more aptly, free will, and the whole choice angle. When you're really young, your choices are very elemental, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe you like this candy or that sports hero, or perhaps you're partial to a certain music or activity of some sort. But so much of your life, your day-to-day is predetermined. It's prescribed already by some authority figure. Obviously, for most of us, that's mom and dad. Later, it's teachers and coaches and maybe extended family. Your menu of things that you choose is not infinite. You choose from what's before you, what's allowed, and mostly because you don't have the awareness of what you don't know. And you assume that you're going to work within that construct of some authority figure, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But as you get into your teens and your 20s, what you choose and who you choose to be with becomes very important. Key relationships, a wider understanding of the world, opinions, preferences, your particular way of being you becomes central to your life. And even though you may be leaving the care and feeding from your parents, as well as their restrictions, you embrace anything that speaks of freedom. Freedom to stay out later. Freedom to drive a car, you know, alone, freedom to wear what you want, go where you will, eat and drink what you want. And these things, or rather the action of choosing what is now yours, are all very important to you. Yeah, I was going to say, Bob, maybe even intoxicating to some people. How often has someone heard the, I'm 18 and I can do whatever I want rant, (laughs) right? Every parent goes through that. Or maybe it's framed as, I'm old enough to do this or that or whatever. Or I should be able to make my own choices. 
Couple this with the other thing typically going on in these years, the introduction to an eventual increase in sexual activity and some pretty big choices start to be made. And then these two become part of the portfolio of what many people consider very important to them. So we'll just throw that out there for the time being. We've got to go to a break here. But think about how a lot of us go through that first exercising of choice. And, mm-hmm. and if, am I wrong? I mean, a lot of it in the teen years, you're starting to identify all the things that are going to become you. And you take a lot, you take some pride in that, right? Yeah, and you, you kind of look ahead to those. When I'm this age, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be able to... Yeah, do all those things you just mentioned earlier. So that's sort of the context. I'm going to pick it up there on the other side of this break. Uh, We'd love your participation today. We've got some key questions for you going forward, 457-1290. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. 457-1290 is the direct line into the studio today. 937-457-1290 from anywhere in the country. And you can drop us a comment at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com. So we were talking here before we went to the break about how uh, the the teen years and particularly early 20s are are a whole time for exercising your ability to choose. Your responsibilities grow enormously and it can be very... very exciting to display your ability to say, I choose this or I choose that person yeah. or whatever, and how I went through some of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's no wonder in some ways then how a lot of people come to this understanding of it's my body and I can do with it as I please, right? It's so appealing to say, I, I can pretty much control where I go and what I do now. And that topic is going to come up later on in our show about the decline of faith in America and how it's been replaced in many quarters by a ceaseless focus on one's body and particularly one's sexuality. But I digress. All of these new choices, especially by young people, are misunderstood as freedom. As we know, or as we come to know with age and wisdom, that take on freedom is really freedom without consequence or responsibility so much of the time. I admit that at a younger age, that the idea of freedom for me seemed central to who I was and to living, central to being an American, right? Didn't people die for freedom? Mm -hmm. I needed to celebrate my own choices in becoming who I was meant to be. And then that little inconvenient truth snuck into all that, didn't it, Bob? And the light bulb came on and you had a question. Yes, I did. And the question was simple, profound, and life-changing. What about the baby? Sadly and stunningly, with all the talk we've heard in the last 50 years about choice and rights, that question was the issue the pro-abortion folks purposely ignored or chose not to think about or thought about and said, so what? And so here we are. Abortion is still widely available today and very much in demand. We have changed the constitutional question, but as you will see or have seen already, we have many battles yet to fight. And not just in law and the enforcement of law but also in the care of pregnant women in crisis and the preservation of every life possible. 
And we'd like to hear what you think of this decision and what you think is likely to happen going forward. 457-1290 to join us today. This is your chance to weigh in on this momentous decision. 457-1290. Yes, and later in the show, we're going to talk about the new playing field for protest. You got to see some of that in the last days, weeks, and years. Who is likely now in the crosshairs of this whole issue? And what about some people and groups and what they are willing to do? What cost, any cost, to get what they want? So stay close for that. 457-1290 to join us at the other side of the news. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There is a Season, the show about how we change, how we age, and how we care for one another. I'm Bob Wolf, And I'm Gloria Shanahan. 457-1290 is the direct line into the studio today to weigh in on your thoughts. 937-457-1290. So, Bob, before we went to the break, we were talking about your understanding. My journey. Your journey and understanding um, about the the inconvenient truth that kind of snuck in. About the understanding of what about the baby? What about the baby? About abortion, which you know, in my understanding of this whole thing, as long as I've been alive, it's always been the discussion about what the woman wants or the woman's rights or the privacy between her and her doctor and all that kind of stuff. Which is one of the successes of the left, particularly, but in this case, anybody who was for abortion, they redefined that issue or they pulled it to that side, and that's all the issue was about. It was just about a woman carrying a baby right. who had a choice to make and had the freedom to make that so choice. So what, what kind of, oh, my mic is getting a little funky here. What kind of would not go away for me is a, is kind of a simple thing. And it's not based in religion. It's not based in what nine justices say or anything. I kind of went through this just very simply, and this is going to resonate with a lot of people, and it may offend some other people. And frankly, that's fine. We can have a discussion about it. And it's this essential question. Is it a human life or not. A lot of us started out learning science, whatever grade that's introduced about deductive and inductive reasoning. You go through all of that when you're a kid in school, right? And if you can figure out that, yes, indeed, that has all of the signs of a human life, even if you don't know the DNA level, right? It has the signs of a human life. And we know that if it left I shouldn't say left alone, left to its natural state of gestation, it's going to become a human being. Is it a life or not? That's where I would start the the conversation with anybody. Then the second question would be, is that life of lesser or greater value than your life? Right? If we're supposed to be equal, then all lives are equal. So if you can say that it's a life, is it equal to your life? And then the big one, which is why we have this whole big discussion today. Does the state, meaning the government, have any obligation to protect that life as they would protect yours? Well, now that's a very different discussion than simply women's choice, women's health, Mm -hmm. my body, and so forth. If this conversation is all about that person and you're ignoring or marginalizing the whole other thing and say, oh, it's just tissue. Really? Is it tissue? 
when you can detect a heartbeat at six weeks, when you can see the little feet, it, it, what is it, 12 weeks? Well, and, and we all know the end result, if left to its own, like you said, it will trajectory. Become it will become being. a human like you and I. Right. It's not going to become some other thing. It's not going to be gonna a gonna larger a clump being. of cells, as they might say. It's going to become a human life. So if you're intellectually honest about that, and a mm-hmm. lot of people still waver on this in the country, they say, well, a lot of the country still wants abortion available. I want you to answer that question. If it's a human life, is it entitled to the same protections that your life is? Right. And and what's the difference? As we've talked before about uh, the laws for vehicular manslaughter, right? If you hit a woman and a baby in a car and they die, you're charged with not one murder, but two. But yet, if a woman is on her way to the abortion clinic, you know, and then, one minute she's carrying a baby and 30 minutes later she's carrying what? Just tissue? Right. Right. So she, I, I, she determines the legality of that by of her when, intention. Yeah, yeah. These are the kind of absurdities that I, I really struggle with. And then nobody wants to talk about that. They want to shout you down. They want to do We're going to talk more about some of the drama and violence unfolding in the country or what will unfold here probably in the next several weeks. Um, they want to keep changing that conversation. I want to have the conversation. Is it a human life or not? And if it is, and you're saying it's not as important as mine... I want to say, well, then, okay, that that's open season. I can make that determination and Not do anything anybody. I want to anybody, right? Anyway, that's a, that's the riff on that. So you understand my journey and where I came to this. The baby is it. It's a big part of the whole conversation. Is it a human life? If we can get past that, you know, we'll move on to the other parts of it. Now, Buskman's been waiting. He's been on the phone here, uh, and he has a, an important call. And I, I want to hope the uh, the phone thing works really well because uh, I wanted to hear what he had to say. So let's welcome him to the program. Buskman, thanks for calling. Hey, thanks for having me, Bob and Gloria. Thanks for your show. Mm-hmm. You're quite welcome. All right, why don't you share with me what we were talking about uh, a little bit offline. And um, you, you were talking about the repercussions of abortions on the uh, the father, so the, the dad. Absolutely. Um, I'm speaking up for the men who either A, will not speak up and say, hey, I'm dealing with this, uh, this in my life, or not quite sure how to deal with it, and have just kind of swept their experience under the carpet. Um, number one is, yes, men do have feelings and they do experience remorse after an abortion. That is a fact. It is not a narrative that has been derived and then put down. It is actuality. Um, In the 90s, I forced my then-girlfriend, forced her by threatening, I'm gonna leave you if you don't have an abortion. And on the way to the clinic, and it was right there in Kettering, She said, she looked at me and she says, are you sure you want to do this? And with the coldest of heart, I looked at her and said, yes. And since that day, I have regretted it as a man, as the, as the father of that child. And I carried depression, didn't know where it was stemming from it at the beginning, but I was, I was just down. I was getting angry. I just, had a lot of issues until I met a Christian man at work. He introduced me to Christ, and through that experience, I have now been able to cope with my decision from the mid-90s. And I'm 53 now. 
So um, I just want to speak that out to the men that you are forgiven. Seek counsel. It could be the reason why you're having issues and anger and anxiety. This could be if you experienced that in your life, somewhere in your past, that may be the root of it. And it can be uprooted. And you don't have to carry it alone. You'll still carry it, gentlemen, but the burden is lighter when you have sought counsel. And I'm going to say this because I'm a hardcore believer in Jesus Christ. When you meet the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and you have experienced that deep forgiveness, that's powerful, Buskman. I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, <clears throat> I, I can imagine that millions of people have been in that situation like you were on the way to the the clinic. And, you know, at the, at the time, there's all the pressures of, oh, gosh, what's happened? We've had a pregnancy now, and, you know, we didn't want this. We aren't ready for this and all of that. Where does most of your uh, – or where did most of your uh, guilt – uh, derived from? Was it more relational in what you felt you had done threatening this this woman uh, with the loss of the relationship? Or was it a recognition uh, of a human life there? And, and did that come later? Or was that something you were just trying to look past at the time? That's a great question, Bob. It came in segments. What you described first was, oh my gosh, We've got a baby coming. I'm not ready for it. She's not ready for it. Let's get rid of it. So all of the idea of it just being a cell, clump of cells, that all fits so well, okay, in those days. But later, as, as we progressed past the days, I realized what I did to her as a human being. And then, for me anyway, I realized this was a child. This was a human being. This was a person. And I killed them. Mm -hmm. I, I involuntary manslaughtered, if you will. I don't know how, or maybe. Well, yeah, know, the legal, the legal thing. Homicide. Right. I, I really felt that way. Um, but those realities, Bob, didn't come to fruition. It was just a a darkness in my soul, if you will. And then, then later on, I realized the realities of it. Well, I'm glad you did. And I'm glad that you have uh, sought people that you could talk to about it and, uh, you know, prayed to Jesus and, and felt forgiveness from it. You probably still carry a heavy weight from that. Yeah. But uh, I do appreciate you sharing all of that because we very often don't hear uh, the male perspective in this whole topic. And that's why I'll say it to the men that, I mean, I'm no psychologist, but when a human does that to other human beings, that dents the offender, if you will. It puts something in their soul that's just not supposed to be there. And for me, it, it, it did come out. And uh, I'm just would like to say to all all my fellow men folk just ask yourself you know what you've you've been through ask yourself could this be the problem that i'm having with my relationships today with my wife my children my friendships my coworkers mm -hmm. 
could this be the source? Be yeah. a man about it and ask yourself. Just be honest. Be a man about it. Say, this very well could be the source of why I'm having all this difficulty in my life. Thank you, Buskman. Thank you for sharing that today. I, I re- you are so welcome. Appreciate Thank all of that for, truth. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for your show. God mm-hmm. bless. Take care. Four five seven twelve ninety. As we talk about uh, the after effects here of what's uh, what's happened with the abortion decision, and there's so much more we could cover about this topic. People will think that we're beating a dead horse, and the reality is, um, what we're doing here is people are going to make a big fuss about Roe v. Wade and that decision. The best thing that has happened is that we have taken out we've taken out that component of federal okayness. You know, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the guarantee that it was protected mm-hmm. and thrust it back into the common square. People have got to talk about We've it. We've got to talk about it. We've got to think about it. We've got to reexamine. Yeah. And, and so that's what the whole purpose of this was to be able to come back to the legislatures and say, you decide. You in Ohio. You Let's there in Missouri. You in Mississippi. You in California. And begin to reeducate or to educate, especially our, our youth. Now, there's some people who want no part of that conversation. For them, the only thing that matters is power. They may have decided somewhere in their lives that they're going to feel a certain way about this. But if you notice the reaction here, a lot of it is on the left. When people don't get what they want, you have things like Antifa. You have riots, things smashed and so forth. And people looking on kind of saying, well, that's reasonable protest. And maybe at some point you could say it is reasonable protest. And, uh, you know, there's going to be those people who say, well, there, you know, there have been abortion clinics firebombed in the past, so it's happened on the other side, too. Not at the level or the frequency of what we're seeing now with the level of protests and with what is being marshaled. There are a number of groups, uh, one called Ruth Sent Us and another one called Jane's Revenge, which have taken the whole topic here and basically said it is a open threat, an open perpetual threat of violence uh, going forward. And we have some of their manifesto here, which I, we're not going to have time to read all of this, but the tonality of, of some of this is what is really stunning. And we're going to get to that uh, probably here on the other side of the break. So let's go to the break now, and we'll come back and share what some of the other side is thinking going forward. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We have been talking about abortion. We've been talking about the after effect of uh, the decision that occurred uh, yesterday, the momentous decision. And a lot of different parts of this. Certainly have the opportunity to talk about it more in the future. Uh, Rhonda's been waiting on here from uh, Miamisburg. I want to make sure we get her call in. Rhonda, welcome to the program. Oh, good morning. I just thought that it would be important to share my story about when back in the mid-90s I got pregnant and my boyfriend said that he didn't want to have a child and I thought that I would be able to, you know, talk him into it. So. I waited and waited and waited, you know, putting things off, putting things off, until I was so far along pregnant that by the time he put his foot down, I ended up having a two-day procedure, 
where you go one day and they put like matchsticks into your cervix and your cervix. Then you go back the next day and they remove the fetus. It's been 30 years and I'm still not over it. So, um, What's the worst part of all of it, other than obviously the you went through the physical uh, part of all of this? What What's the key thing that bothers you I the most it's, about it? It's the mental part of not knowing what this child could have been, is where I, um, where I come in, you know, having such an emotional time with it, even after all this time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's tough to even talk about to people. And... I don't think that I was the only person that he did this to because here we are at 56 and 57 years old and he still has never had any children. Mm -hmm. So I believe that um, I'm pretty sure I probably was the only person that he forced this upon. So, um, yeah, it's a very hard thing to live with. It is a very hard thing to live with, especially after you have a child, after the fact that you see what a joy they bring to the whole family in general, yeah. and you get to help them with their accomplishments um, and such. So I think that it's important for people to understand that they say that it's a woman's choice. Well, in that situation with him being such a narcissist, I didn't have a situation. My situation was to... Um, go it alone and be um, left behind with a child, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, it was just a very tough situation for me, and it still is today. So I thought it would be important for, for your listeners as um, well as, you know, I believe in forgiveness, but it doesn't take away the fact that my ultimatum was, you know, have the abortion or I'm leaving you. Yeah, which is often the case. Rhonda, I'm going to have to keep moving here, but I appreciate very much you calling. I'm enjoying your show. I'm um, on my way to work, and um, just knowledge is power. Yes, it is. Yes, and that's what we're hoping comes as a result of this decision, that more people will talk about it. And more support for women and their unborn babies. Absolutely. And then their born babies. Yeah. Absolutely. God bless you, Rhonda. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Take care. So we're going to kind of run out of time here, but we we have a little bit we wanted to share about people who don't want to have the discussion at all. And this was from a group called... The Violent Wing uh, Movement, Jane's Revenge. It's a dangerous group and has overtly declared war on crisis pregnancy centers. So here's just a a flavor of what they say. Just a little bit. We offered an honorable way out. You could have walked away. Now the leash is off and we will make it as hard as possible for your campaign of oppression to continue. We have demonstrated in the past month how easy and fun it is to attack. We are versatile, we are mercurial, and we answer to no one but ourselves. We promise to take increasingly drastic measures against oppressive infrastructures, meaning pro-life advocates. Rest assured that we will, and those measures may not come in the form of something so easily cleaned up as fire and graffiti. Sometimes you will see what we do and you will know that it is us. Sometimes you will think you are merely unlucky because you cannot see the ways in which we will interfere in your affairs but your pointless attempts to control others and make life more difficult will not be met passively they go on to say from here forward any 
anti-choice group who closes their doors and stops operating will no longer be a target. But until you do, it's open season, and we know where your operations are. So that's a not-so-veiled attempt to intimidate mm. and, and scare and terrify um, people who would support a lot of these women in, in their hour of crisis. And is that just somebody sitting behind a computer clicking away and feeling good and angry and using language? Or is it something that's going to result in uh, destruction of property, possibly the injury or death of other people? We've already seen some destruction of property and some threats. So we we put that, we share that here, not to promote that group, certainly, but to get people aware that having the conversation, true deliberation, really legislation is the way to reflect where the society wants to go with this issue. What happened with Roe v. Wade was an abomination of of legal practice, and it has been corrected. Now the discussion takes off again, and let's hope to save as many lives as possible. That's all the time we've got. We're a little bit over, and uh, we appreciate you being here. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step. And, well, I've forgotten where I was going to go with that. Well, you want to reach out to someone around you. That's offer true. them, That's Offer true. them that kind word, a hand, yes. or in this case, a listening ear. So uh, thank you for being with us here today. And uh, we hope to hear you again next week. You're listening to There is a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO. Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week.